Praise God, brothers and sisters. I know last week we uh, we were a bit thrown off. Uh, thank you for, for what y'all did. You know, as a pastor, pastor appreciation. I know y'all did it more for Pastor Fred, but I threw myself in there, right? Um, you know, it's a blessing. Uh, there's this one, I, I forget where I heard it, but it was, you've been, you've been blessed with a burden. You are blessed with a burden. And I think sometimes when we think of a burden, we think of something heavy and, and, and kind of like, oh, I want to get it off. But that's how I, I look at things as a pastor sometimes is that it's not always easy and you have a lot of the weight of a lot of people, you know, on, on you and your shoulders. But it's a blessing to have been chosen for that. Um, and then you see those moments, you see the little things that the congregation does <clears throat> And it really inspires you and touches you and it just kind of motivates you to just keep going, right? So uh, good for you that our batteries don't run out um, until maybe once a year, right? And then when we're about that point, it's like, y'all do this wonderful stuff for us. Show us your love. And I know you show it all the time, brothers, and it just it re resets us, right? It starts us up again. So we appreciate it. Um, and I know last week we, we skipped a, a lesson, so hopefully y'all studied, studied the right one. Uh, hopefully you have your study guide, but we're on actually we're actually on session number three, amen. And hopefully that's what you read and that's what you studied. But the title for today is "Unstoppable Love." Unstoppable what? Love. Who wants to who wants to participate this morning? And and tell me what what love is to you. Okay, don't tell me what when you think about the word love. Don't tell me what someone else tells you love is. Tell me what love is. Amen. Love is to care for somebody or someone. Anybody else, brother? Amen. To lay lay down oneself, to to put oneself aside so that we can provide for someone else. Amen. Anybody else? What is love, sister? Love is patient and kind. Amen. I've heard that somewhere. Amen. Okay, good. <laughs> Amen. Okay, good. Anyone else? What What is love? Because we're going to talk a little bit about unstoppable love. Sister Pruitt? To give your life for others. Love does not hurt. Amen. Okay. Anyone else? Brother George? Love even if they don't love you back. Amen. Love is, is to give without getting anything in return. Okay? Amen? Anyone else? Sister? Compassion. What was the first word? Consideration and compassion. Amen? Sister? Love is to keep on loving even if they hurt you. Amen. Anyone else? Last chance. Okay. So it sounds to me like love is a lot of things. But the gist of it, it seems like that love is, 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 is the ability to conquer anything and everything. Amen? Because everybody said at some point that it's about everyone else. And a lot of times, brothers and sisters, where we struggle as individuals is we make it about ourselves. You know, why we struggle here on this earth sometimes is because we make it about me. You make it about you. You know, our walk with, with the Lord sometimes is difficult because we don't want to give up of ourselves. We don't want to give up what we think we know. We don't want to give up what we think we have right. 
Instead, we want God to do all the giving up. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And a lot of times, brothers and sisters, that's why we struggle on this earth. That's why we struggle with our walk with the Lord. And in this case, we're going to be talking about unstoppable love and the power of love. And, and, and if you study your guide, it doesn't, you know, I like the new guides. I really do. Uh, but if I don't go exactly where the guide's going, oh, well, right, we'll deal with it. Uh, but we are going to read in Scripture, and we're going to be talking about unstoppable love and kind of the, the, the purpose or the meaning behind, you know, what love is and the importance, more importantly, of where love has its place in the church and within the body of Christ and within you and I. Amen? So very quickly, um, there's a question there on page 83 of your study guide. And it says, what are some employee benefits that would get you excited? Okay, who here has a job? Raise your hand. Praise God. How many of you here love your job? The bosses are watching. No, I'm joking. Amen. What are, what are some of the benefits of working there that you, you appreciate or that you enjoy? Nobody. No benefits, I guess, right? Brother Delmer. Huh? The pay? Okay. Someone else? Vac- huh? Paycation? Oh. I heard paycation, which I like that word. If you didn't say it, I'll take credit for it. We'll just make it up. Vacation, right. Pay time off, vacation. Amen. Somebody else? Insurance. Insurance? That's a that's a big one. What else, brothers and sisters? What's that? You get to pay your bills, yeah. Praise God. Stability, amen. Amen. So, you know, it, it asks you, what are some employee benefits that would get you excited? So out of all those that we just mentioned, I try to write them all down, but but which one would y'all vote would be one of the best ones? Paycation, right? I like that word. No one try to use it. That's my word, all right? Paycation, yeah. Vacation is an awesome thing. There's a lot of places where you go and work for the sisters that, that uh, it may be a good job. You may get paid well, but that, that's only part of it. You know, you have to like what you do. More importantly, a lot of times we focus, especially when you're older and wiser, you look for a job that has benefits, right? Because when you're young, you're just chasing the money, right? And the old person in your life, and unfortunately, I'm the old person in a lot of people's lives now, will tell you, hey, think it through. Don't chase the money. It's not all about the money. It's not what you get paid hourly. It's about the benefits. Do you have insurance? Do they give you a vacation? What kind of hours are you going to be working? I've met people that make a lot, a lot of money, but they're never home. And you can have that job if you want it. I'll take being at home making a lot less because I like to spend time with my family. Right? I like to be at church. I don't think that anything takes precedence over church. I'd rather be at church, right? So when we're young, we're kind of misunderstood. But as we mature, we realize that it's about finding a pace of employment where there are some some benefits. And the bigger the benefits, the happier you're going to be, the more beneficial that those benefits are are for you. So very quickly in your guide, um, let's read real quick. The Bible meets life. You would just follow along with me. I'm not sure what page it's on for you. Amen. Uh, Page 84, it seems like. Page 84, it says, many businesses are famous not just for their products and services, but also for their work environments. For example, an internet-related company, I think they're talking about Google here probably, offers its employees on-site vehicle maintenance, a laundromat, hair salon, and nap pods during work hours. So if you work for a place like Google or DreamWorks, you're going to get there and you're going to have, or Apple, I guess Adam's over there shouting Apple. 
right? Or Apple, you're going to work at a place where you get a lot of benefits, a lot of perks beyond the, the normal things that we're used to, beyond just a paid, paid vacation, beyond just the insurance. They're going to say, hey, at, at 10 o'clock in the morning, here's a bed, go take a nap. You know that across the seas, especially across the sea, like China, Japan, they actually have pods built into their facilities where people go and they take an hour or two nap, like if they're in kindergarten. And then they wake up and back to work, and they've proven that it's much more productive. There's a toy company that offers paid time off for school-related absences, like parent-teacher conferences or field trips. That's nice. My job doesn't do that. It, they, I, I can take time off, but it's vacation time. Well, there's some places out there that offer it as paid time off. Other companies offer physical perks such as on-site gyms, pools, and even bowling alleys. These companies have created an inviting culture that draws people to work and keeps them happy. The church is known for a culture that is a far deeper than corporate perks. The early church culture overflowed with love. See, you thought I had already walked away from love. But love that reflected Jesus Christ and drew people to him. Their example in Acts chapter 2 challenges us to continue that reputation and to be a church immersed in a culture of love. Brothers and sisters, everything that we do has to be done in love. There are many times, you know, within our walk and in our, in our Christian life, a lot, a lot of times within our walk in, 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 let's say, in church, that we do everything, but we do it without love. And when we do things without love, you're just asking for a problem to arise. You're just asking for there to be an issue. Furthermore, when we do things out of love, we push people away. The example given earlier about benefits that jobs have is what benefit does the church have to an individual? What benefit do you have from coming to the shepherd's flock? And a lot of times we go broad and we say the church is the body of Christ. But, but, but let's be real because we're all members here and we have visitors, but they've been here a lot before. That what benefits are there to the shepherd's flock? Who wants to? And that's a question. It's a real question. Brother Delmer. Teaching, and, and what was that other? Walk by example. Okay, good leadership. Amen. Anybody else? Spiritual support. Amen. Anybody else? Feel the spirit. So it sounds like Brother Delmer and Brother Ruben are the only ones that love the church. What else? Feel the spirit? Accountability? That's a, that's a good one. To grow in the word? Counseling? What are the benefits, brothers? Because I, we just gave the example of, of, of why a certain place of employment, why they do what they do, right? So, for example, these large companies, you know why they, they have all these perks and all these benefits? Because they're trying to attract employees to them. They're trying to be different and do something that sets them apart from everybody else. Because especially nowadays with, with, with companies like Google, with companies like Apple, with companies like Microsoft, with these large companies that are all about the tech, it's about getting the smartest, the wisest, the individual that can bring the most to the table and most of the job. So they give these extra perks to make them feel at home so that there will not be a reason for them to leave. I'll give you an example. In, in San Antonio, I work for Southwest Research Institute. 
And I'm very proud of the fact that I work there. You know why? Because they have some of the most amazing benefits in all of San Antonio. I think they only come second to, um, what's the big insurance company? USA. And one of the perks that we have is we actually have a full-fledged gymnasium with four basketball basketball courts on our campus. We have a full weight and, and gym that I've never, trust me, I've never been there. I just know it's there. They tell me it's like a, it's a story. If you go around that way, there's a gymnasium. What? They have a full gym. They have a cafeteria on campus. They have stock rooms. Anything you may need, you just go and pick up. Right? They have all these things that, that, that go a little the extra mile that make a person that works there feel good and feel happy and keep me content, keep the other employees content. It's not a place that you just leave. Because they offer you these extras. Likewise, brothers and sisters, what does the shepherd's flock offer? What does the church offer you as a member that keeps you coming back? And the, and the, the very first and most important answer should be love. We have a point. And the point is, loving people is a powerful expression of loving God. Let me read that one more time. It's up, up there as well. Loving people is a powerful expression of loving God. So when we love others, we're expressing loving God. Love others the way you love God. I can't tell you the amount of times that an individual has come here, now members, that have come in here and testified that the first time they walked through the door, they felt something amazing. And they just felt the love of God. And I know, sisters over there, I know you know I'm talking about you, right? I just felt the love of God. How many times has a person not come up here and said, when I walked through those doors, I felt the love of God. And you know why the love of God is felt, brothers and sisters? Because you and I love. The church, the early church in, 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 in Acts, expressed that love. And that's kind of where all this comes from, that the unstoppable love, that the love of God is truly unstoppable. The only people that have the power of stopping God's love is you and I in our own lives. But if you don't love, someone else is going to love. If I don't show the love to my wife, someone else is going to show love to my wife if I'm not careful. Therefore, brothers and sisters, the important thing for us is to understand that we must love people. We must love one another. And that way we're showing God the love that he asked for us. We were What's the word? Reciprocating, right? A re- reciprocating saw, a sawzall. For those of us who know what it is, it's a, it's, a, it's a saw that does this. The blade just goes back and forth. It goes forward, and then it comes back, and then it goes forward, and it comes back. When we love others, that's what we're doing. We're showing God's love, then we're receiving God's love back. We're showing God's love, then we're receiving God's love back. And if we understand that, brothers and sisters, then we're unstoppable. And then the message is unstoppable. Then the gospel is unstoppable. Jesus came to show love. The Bible teaches us, John 3, 16, the very foundation of who we are and what we understand as Christians, that for God, so, what did God do? Love. He loved before he gave. You can't give if you don't love. And if you give because you don't, and you don't love, then your gift is worthless. You steal your own blessing, brothers and sisters. Sometimes we're individuals that we give because we're told to give. There's no blessing behind that. God loved first, so then because he loved, 
he gave. Giving is a result of love, brothers and sisters. And, we, and that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Acts uh, chapter 2, verse 41 and 42. It says there, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to breaking of the bread, and to prayer. Now we're learning here that the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit had come and he had consumed the people. More importantly, he had consumed the disciples. Shortly thereafter, we know that Peter goes and he begins to preach the word of God. He begins to preach the gospel. And because the Holy Spirit had descended, it says very clearly here that those who accepted his message of repentance, those who had accepted the message of Jesus Christ, were also baptized. And it says about 3,000 were added to their number that day. I want you to think about that for a second. Because look how big this church is. I think the church may fit 100 people, 200. Okay, 200 people. And we would think if this church was full, we've had funerals here, we've had weddings here, you know what it looks like full. Only 200 people would make this, this the house of the Lord look full. This says that on that day, one day, about 3,000 people were added to the number that day. What number? The number of the saved and the redeemed. They devoted themselves to the apostles. Listen to this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Now, we're talking about love, and I don't know if many of you pay attention, but we use this word fellowship a lot. Who can tell me what fellowship means? To come together? Okay, good. Anyone else? To be united? To be united. We have a, I don't know if your, your guide tells you, but here it has a definition here. And it's a, it's a translation from a Greek word, but it means common or the same. When you fellowship, and the reason we use the term fellowship is because you have something in common. You are on the same page with one another. The early church, when Peter was preaching, the early church and the, and the Holy Spirit descended upon the people and they were baptized and the 3,000 were added that day. It says that those 3,000 devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. See, brothers and sisters, love definitely con conquers all. Love is patient. Love is kind. We know the verse. When there is true love, you learn to deal with one another and the circumstances. But love always brings you back to a common ground. Who can tell me what the common ground is? Jesus? And, and, and Jesus, or God, is what? Is love. You know what you have in common with the person that you love and that loves you back? The love for one another. You may disagree on everything. She likes red, you like blue. She likes it hot, you like it cold. She doesn't brush her teeth at no. She's not here, so I, I'm just kidding. What happens? That every disagreement that you may have, everything that you don't agree on, we can sit and argue about it all day and make the biggest fuss in the world about. But at the end of the day, if we have one thing in common, it's that we each love one another. 
So when you fellowship within the church, when you, there's true love, all the disagreements, everything that maybe I'm not too sure about, maybe I don't like, maybe, 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 at the end of the day, doesn't matter because you love one another. Unstoppable love. Love should never be able to be stopped. If it's true love, it continues on and on and on and on and on. The reason the gospel kept moving through years after years and spread out of, of, of Israel, if you will, spread out of Jerusalem, spread out of Judah into the ends and the deepest parts of the earth is because there was love. Because someone received the gospel, someone received Jesus' love for them or him or her and says, I can't keep this inside because I love the people out there and because I love them, I don't want them to be lost. I don't want them to hurt. I don't want them to anguish. I got to give them this love that God gave. And love continued. They were baptized on the day of Pentecost. And 3,000 men, 3,000 people came to, to the apostles. And they themselves devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. You're here at the church because you've devoted yourself to the teachings and the word of God that's being preached from this pulpit. That's why you're here. You're not here because you're finding, trying to find love. You're not here because mama told you to come or because your husband's dragging you. You're here because you're devoted to the teachings and to fellowship. Listen, brothers and sisters, if you're one of those brothers and sisters who wants nothing to do with the church outside of the regular service, there's a problem. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's either a problem with you or there's a problem with the church. I'm just being honest. Either the church doesn't show enough love to make you feel welcome, or you don't have enough love to welcome yourself. You see, when we don't have love, everything separates. When we don't have love, it makes things that much more difficult. But just like an employer has benefits, the benefit of the church to the members should be love. And I as a pastor can love you all I want, but if you don't love one another, it doesn't matter. I can say, brother, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Anything you want, anything you can, I can give you, I'll give you. But the moment I'm not around and that brother goes to another brother and the brother's like, whatever. What happens? The early church in Acts, they started participating really early on with this idea of love and that love can draw us all close. And they started participating in fellowship. They started participating in, in the breaking of the bread. And I think, I've t I don't know if it's here because I get confused with, with Bible study in here, but, but being invited to someone's table and breaking bread with them is one of the most honorable things that you can ever participate in. It should not be considered something like, eh, whatever. You know, husbands, you know, wives, if you're having a get-together and you invite someone over, give it all you got. Go the extra mile. Put a little extra seasoning, okay? Don't be stingy. Put it on there. This one's for brother so-and-so. This one right here, a big one. Right? I've seen some of you do it. Praise God for that. I've seen y'all do it. It's about saying, okay, this, man, this loaf of bread at the store, oh, it's squashed right here. No, not that one. No, not that one. No, not that one. And you find the loaf of bread that's perfect. But because you say, my brother and my sister are coming to break bread with me today. They're coming to fellowship. 
And there's, there's, there, there's not many other ways, brothers and sisters, that, that I believe that you can truly tell someone, hey, I love them. Because you know what? We can see each other here all the time. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I love you. But if you don't love the person enough to ever invite them over and say, hey, come on over and spend some time with us. I grew up, look, I grew up with parents, but honor and glory of God, they're not paying me that I know of um, to say this. But they were individuals that always wanted to have the brothers and sisters over. It's almost as if we're boring to them as kids. As if we didn't keep them busy enough. They always wanted to have people over. Oh, well, let's this Sunday, let's invite. Oh, I remember the cookouts. I don't know. Some of you here remember those growing up. Cookouts were always at the house. And we go, we put the music, you know, Christian music, and we would just fellowship. I mean, to the wee hours of the night, I remember. You know, or the morning, I should say. Just fellowship. Just talking about God. Just talking about one of those circumstances. Just, just having that in common, that we loved one another. You know, and then we'd move from one house, we'd move down the street to my uncle's house if we had to. And then, because we all lived on Vinton Street, right? And we would just, whatever it took, but we were participating with fellowship with one another. Because that love was there. My parents grew up wanting to have people over. I always want to have you. Why, Why, brothers and sisters? Because there's nothing greater than breaking bread. Now, in this case, they're talking about breaking bread, talking about the communion, if you will, right? The, the last supper that, that they participated but they understood, the disciples understood something very important from Jesus. Jesus didn't just come and say, come follow me. Jesus spent his entire life with them. In the trenches. Sleeping out in the wilderness, that's where I slept. In the boat, I'll sleep in the boat. Because when he said, I love you. And when he asked them if they loved him, it was real. The love was so great between them that they were like brothers. The love was so great between them that they were always together and they couldn't get enough of one another. Because, and, and you don't think they had their disagreements. You don't think that they got into each other's like, I have two brothers and I can't stand either of them. No, I'm joking. Like no one, everybody's asleep. No one said anything. Oh, okay. I guess. I love my brothers, but did we always get along? Yeah, that's true. I don't know if they got along. I think that's what Mama wanted to see. Mama wanted only one to be the bad one. But they had their moments. They had their struggles with one another. We had our moments where, you know, we couldn't stand one another. We went through those stages probably like everybody does. I was, I was too cool and too old, don't touch my stuff, you can't wear my clothes. Because my parents always handed everything down, right? You can't wear it until mom and dad say you can wear it. But I still love them. And you know what? They still love me. And sometimes we get asked, like, how do your family, how do y'all get along? Y'all don't fight? I'm like, Not anymore. And is it because we agree? Oh, no. Me and, and the little one back there. When it comes to certain topics, like just being honest, like a phone, like Apple, I can't stand Apple. I can't, I can't stand them. I, I think they take advantage of people, but we're not going to get into it. He loves Apple. He's an Apple guy. And we can get a little heated. Like and even our parents or our wives have to, yeah, boys, please. And then we cut it off. And the very next morning, we're high-fiving each other because we're watching the game. 
Because the one thing we know we have in common is our love for one another. Likewise, brothers and sisters, the church. Likewise, your brothers and sisters, hey, you may not, hey, you, you drive a Dodge, he drives a Ford. I can't stand Ford. I don't like Dodge. But at the end of the day, God bless you. I love you, brother. And I know they seem like petty things, but even in the worst and the most more critical things that you think you know you're right and he thinks he's right, well, get over it. We love one another. And you move forward and the gospel moves forward just that way. What aspects of church life have been especially meaning, meaningful to you? What do you love about being in the church, brothers and sisters? I asked what the benefit was early, but, but what, what, what is it that makes you feel good when you come to church? And I think the answer for that is, is that we love one another. Take a look around. Stare at each other right now and see what happens. Exactly. You smile. Look at each other. Don't stop. I know it's awkward. Find somebody to look at. Find somebody to look at. You see that smile? That's the joy of the Lord. You see that smile? It's that there's genuine love. It's that you don't feel awkward in front of one another. It's that you don't feel like I'm, I'm less of a person than that person. Every once in a while, you'll encounter someone who thinks they're better. And that's the person everybody stays away from. She's coming, she's coming. He's here, he's here. The grumpy ones. The angry ones. The love of God, brothers and sisters, goes beyond that. They broke bread and they prayed, it says. And to prayer. They devoted themselves. When there is love within the church, you attract people. Love is the best bait that you can put on a fishing hook. I was talking to Brother George Friday, I don't even remember when, but we were talking about, you know, the things of the Lord. We are talking about how God made us, and Jesus said he made us fishers of men. And we are talking about the importance of having that patience and, and putting, baiting properly, dropping, the, you know, I was telling him about how my uncles would get mad at us, especially when we were younger, because we throw it in. I'm not catching nothing. And eventually one of our, our uncles would tell us, you know, yeah, leave it there. You're never going to catch anything if you keep pulling it out. My bait's gone. Well, yeah, it's because you didn't hook it right. When you went this way, it flew off, and then you threw the hook in by itself. Love, brothers and sisters, love is, if we want to be fishers of men, we want to attract the people, love is the bait. Love is what you put on the hook, and you say, here it is. Get a taste of it. And once they get a taste of it, I promise you, they're going to want more, 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 more. Because what the world struggles with nowadays is feeling love and knowing that they're loved. Jesus came because his father loved. Jesus came because he loved. And he drew the thousands of people in because he showed them genuine love. And love conquers all. Through those things, brothers and sisters, love helps us draw to a common ground. Love helps us in our relationship when we really love each other. If I ask some of the people here that have been married you know, for years, they, I would think they would argue that love is the answer. God, I wish I could slap you across the face, but I love you too much. What? Remember, I learned everything I know from my dad. No. Or as a wife, when you wake up and he's asleep and you get your pillow and you're like, I love you too much. You just want to end it sometimes. 
But you know what? You love them. And sometimes, you know what? The, the worst thing about it, I don't know if you've experienced this. I think you have. I have. Is that you're mad because you love a person so much. I love you. You can't stand yourself because you're in love with somebody. And then when that person knows you love them and they know that you, you love them and they just give you that look like, you love me. Or they tell you even worse. And probably men do that more than women. You know you love me anyways. Because you know you love somebody. And deep down inside, you know that the love is going to conquer everything. And you may not like it because it forces you to do all the things we said about when we started. You have to give up of yourself. You have to deny yourself. You put all the work in for somebody else's benefit. It's difficult. It's hard. But when you love, it conquers all. Love is what changed the world, brothers and sisters. Love is what transformed the thousands of people that it's transformed. Millions of people that it's transformed. Love is what changed you. Somebody loved you enough. It starts, his name is Jesus. But then there was somebody else that felt God's love, that loved you enough to give you the message. You're not here because someone hated you. A lot of times we think, well, when I came to the Lord because my dad hated me, because my mom didn't want me. I came to the Lord because my wife left me, because my husband. That's not why you came to the Lord. You didn't come because of hate. You came because of love. And when the church offers the love of God and you get hooked, then you stay for everything else. You stay for the times where it's time to break bread. You stay to fellowship. You stay for the prayer. You learn to bend your knees and pray. You learn to worship the Lord and raise your hands because you're in love. And when you're in love, you do whatever it takes. How crazy is it, brothers and sisters, for me to take off my brand new coat and put it on a puddle so my wife can walk across it? That's crazy. But you're in love. And then as soon as you walk, you're like, oh, God. Tell me some of the crazy things you've done for love. Who wants to participate? Someone said got married. Ah, no. I won't put you on the spot. But you know you've done some crazy things for love. How, how was that? Oh. You're supposed to push and move out of the way, Dad. <laughs> oh. He got hit by a car, but you see you including yourself because you are one, right? That's the things we do for love. And when we love and we show someone God's love, they start to do crazy things too. See, when they come here and they don't know the love of God and they see us right, not that we do it all the time, but dancing or praising or talking into God, that guy's, that guy's crazy. And they laugh at <laughs> And then when they feel God's love and know what God's love, they're the ones over here doing it. Because it's no longer crazy because you're in love. The Holy Spirit descended. There was this unstoppable love. Loving people is a powerful expression of loving God. Acts chapter 2, verse 43 and 45. It says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Once again, reiterating that with this love, 
the Holy Spirit was able to, to consume the people around them. And they were filled in awe or with awe. What is awe? That you're at a, I think the word awe came from the lack of a word, period. Someone was just there and goes, I don't know if you ever had that experience in your life. Probably not. A lot of us talk a lot. Sometimes we're at a loss for words, and I think that the word all came from that. It just said, oh. Someone says, that's a word now. You're in awe. Because there's no other word to describe what you're feeling. The amazement that they were, they were seeing in the apostles and the movement of the Holy Spirit, the speaking of tongues. Listen, brothers, brothers and sisters, the fact is that when the Holy Spirit came and baptized them in, in, in the speaking of tongues, they were speaking a languages that only others could understand. That's why it was so amazing to them. It's like, we're not supposed to understand. It, it'd be like us just right now starting talking all these different languages when we all speak only English and Spanish. So they were amazed by it. So much so that it says that all the believers in verse 44, it doesn't say some. It says all the believers were together and had everything in common. We should have everything in common. Our belief system should be the same. The way we address a circumstance should be the same. The way we handle a problem should be the same. You don't have it more figured out than I do, and I don't have it more figured out than you do. We all have it figured out because we all come together in love, understanding what the scripture requires from us. We spend a lot of time dividing ourselves because we see a brother as just that, a brother. It's just a title. It's like me at work. We have different titles. I'm a senior technician. There's a technician which is lower than me. There's a lab assistant that's lower than me. And then there's principal techs that are higher than me. And if I go to work and my mentality is that I'm only going to talk to senior technicians, I'm not going to get much work done at all. Because what is required for me is to speak to both the lower and the higher. Likewise in church, brothers and sisters, a lot of times we see ourselves as just positions. That's the deacon. That's the pastor. I'm a member. She's a member. Instead of seeing each other in love and as brothers and sisters in Christ and as individuals who both need something but have something to give as well. It says that all the believers were together and had everything in common. And then it says that they even went as far as to sell their property and possessions to give anyone who had need. Now the Bible isn't telling you and I to go sell everything we have and give it to the needy because then we're going to be in need. But if God tells you to go and sell what you have and give it to the needy, then you do what God tells you to do. But what it's trying to show us here in the Bible is that they were in such common communion, common ground, that they felt that whatever it takes to keep our family going, I've heard people say, I will do anything for my family, anything. Whatever it takes, I'll do it for my family. That's the attitude that we should have for the church. That's the attitude that we should have for the body of Christ. Now, when I see Brother Troy over there, no, let me not use because he's actually my family. When I see Brother Eliseo over there, I don't think of him as just a brother in church. I see him as family. 
And I look at him and I look at Troy and I don't see any difference. He's my brother in Christ and so is Troy, my brother in Christ. And if I could give for Troy, I better be able to give for brother. Because I would do anything for my family. No greater love is there than a man give his life for what? For his friend. Who said that? Jesus himself. We say we love, but we're not willing to sacrifice for everybody. We're only willing to sacrifice for the ones we love. Brother Fred. Pastor Fred. Amen. Amen. Because love without action isn't love at all, is it? We say it all the time. I can I can tell somebody I love them. I love you. I love you. But everything I do says the exact opposite. In this case, the brothers and the brothers and the sisters in Christ who had more than the others realize I can't really tell them that I love them if I have a lot more and they're struggling. When you see your brother and your sister, I mean the, the the message, the story of the, of the Good Samaritan, you know, he stops and, and, and participates because there's true love in this man's heart. He stops and helps because he loves. And we said that earlier that even when we're not loved back, he had no idea who this person was. This person was knocked out on, on, unconscious, right? Unconscious, unconscious. He was, he was out. So how did he, he couldn't ask him, do you love me? Yes, okay, let me help you. Instead, love motivated him to do and to make things right. Love motivates us or should motivate us to make things right in our personal lives and in the lives of our brothers and sisters. If I have extra and my brother and my sister are struggling, why in the world should I have extra? Because extra means you got extra. Instead, give. They understood this, brothers and sisters. They understood that as a body of Christ, my responsibility is to love like Jesus loved. And we know that Jesus came and he didn't ask for anything from anybody. He didn't even have a home. Have you ever thought about that? Just worked and walked and walked and walked. And I know, I'm sure maybe his mom had a house and stuff, but he was on the move. And he didn't ask for, for, for payouts. He didn't ask for offerings. He didn't ask for Look, not that I go many places, but I will say this. If the Lord calls you to go minister somewhere, go minister because you love the people you're ministering to. Don't go minister because you love the payment that they're going to give you. I love you, brother. I love you, sister. Uh, you're going to pay me? Sometimes we love our job because they pay us. Some of us even said that. 
What if your job stopped paying you? Would you still love it that much? Would you still go to work for free? So do you really love your job? Now I ask you the same thing. You come to church because there's love. We're getting something in return. That love has to exist within the church. That love has to exist within me as a brother in Christ. I have to be able to learn to look at someone and look beyond the circumstances. Look beyond the situations. Look beyond you know, the mistake. Look beyond the accident. Look beyond the words that were said. And say, man, I still love you. Man, I still love you, brother. Even though you hurt me, even though you, you, you offended me, I still love you. And because you love me too, we can work this out. Sister, because you love me too, we can move forward. And it's really a matter of moving beyond. The early church was was capturing and captivating the people because they were amazed by the love that the early church had. They couldn't fathom how it is that these people think about it. I want you to really think. People were selling their stuff to give it to somebody else. Someone that they weren't related to. Someone that they didn't know before a couple of days ago. The church is always, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. You know, if I wipe my forehead with this right now, I wouldn't want it, but I could probably sell it to somebody. Me, 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 me. Remember I started with that? And love is about everyone but you. Ouch. Love is about everyone but you. Love is about the other person. And if that person loves the way you know how to love, then you get love in return. It's just by default. Real love is not about me. Real love is not about figuring what I want. Real love, brothers and sisters, is about everybody else. The church, when the church loves, then these these benches are going to be full. When you show that love to everybody, not just the people you know. Look, sometimes we get into this rhythm that we come in here and we already know who we're going to say hi to and who we don't say hi to. You know, my responsibility as a pastor doesn't allow me to do that. I have to say hello to all of you. I might miss you, but I didn't miss you on purpose. But some of us come and the same sister every time. Hi, sister. <laughs> and everybody's like, what's going on over there? <laughs> they must be having a good time. They must have not seen each other in a long time. But they were talking last night. Praise God. You love that sister or their brother. Oh, 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 over there in the corner. Oh, 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 oh. It's like, man, he must have not seen that brother, you know, in a while. And, and, you know, y'all were riding around last night in the car. Well, if you really love brothers and sisters, you take a moment out of your norm to go and say hello to everybody else because there's other people in this church that are real. They're not fake. They have real emotions. They have real feelings. And sometimes they just need a hello and a little bit of love from you. When we learn to love, we learn to spread the gospel. Because after all, love is unstoppable. And as God is love, then God is unstoppable. So if we're seeing 
you know, the brakes being put on on the movement of the Holy Spirit, and we're seeing the brakes being put on on the movement of the, the gospel, that means we're lacking in love, brothers and sisters. If we do everything in love, then love is going to conquer everything. If we do everything in love, then, then love is going to bring people to the church. If you do everything in love, then your family will and shall be saved. Piece by piece, you put the puzzle together. And if you remember anything, remember, if you put love on the end of that hook, you're going to hook people and bring them to the Lord. That's what the, the, the initial uh, church, that's what the beginning of Acts, again, Acts is an action, right? It's a movement. Love needs to be a movement within us, brothers and sisters, where we constantly show that love, where the, the, the church of God is filled with love. But guess what? It goes and it flows with you out there, too. That when you're at Walmart, people can sense your love. That's why we always say, don't think it's the pastor's worried about how we look based on how you act. Right? Because sometimes I think it's easy to say, well, the pastor wants me to behave because I make him look bad. You don't make me look bad. I know who I am and I know what I preach. I know what I teach. I have my own family. They know what's expected from them. And if they misbehave, maybe you could say, oh, you just made your dad look bad. But at the end of the day, I know who I am. Who looks bad is you as an individual. Who's embarrassed should be you as a person. So it's not because we want you to behave out there, brothers and sisters. It's because you have to show the love of God everywhere. And if you're the grumpy, mean old person that's yelling at the waiter because the waiter forgot to bring you a straw, you're not. You're doing everything but hooking that person to want to know more about God in you. Because I've seen people that do it. We treat the waiter like he's a waiter. And some people would want to argue, well, that's their job. It doesn't matter. The love that we should have inside should say, I want to treat you just like me. You're working. I work too. I wouldn't want to be treated like that where I work. You forgot a straw, no big deal. How many times, where's my family? Do we, we tip. We tip even when we have a horrible waiter. Like the worst waiter ever. We still tip. Because I don't tip because they earned it. I tip because I show love. How many times has God not given you and treated you right when you didn't deserve it? Ooh. Ouch. How many times has God not blessed you when you've been walking wrong and you know you're wrong? How many times has God not pulled us out of circumstances that we put ourselves in? If God rewarded us based on our ability to be rewarded, he would never reward us. But because God loved us, and because God loves us, he gives. So brothers and sisters, unstoppable love. Find God's love in your life. Know and accept it. Say, man, God, you love me no matter what. We've got this. We can do this. I'm going to be better. I'm going to work harder. But also give that love to others. And you'll see the transformation in their lives. Amen.